Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. Today we'll, we'll be starting the Doctrine of the Prophet. Uh, this outline is going to also be in the uh, in a link on the podcast and you can also go to the website uh, westbankbiblechurch.com to get it there in PDF form. Uh, this will probably be a either two or three lesson uh, doctrine and we're real excited once we finish this we're going to start the doctrine of Daniel uh, and that will be a whole 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 bunch of lessons uh, but we're really looking forward to getting started on that as you know Daniel was also a prophet but before we begin as is our custom let's remember first John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary Father, thank you for the grace provisions of 1 John 1, 9 and the teaching ministry of God the Holy Spirit. The doctrine of the prophet. A prophet is a representative of God who announces or teaches divine revelation even before it has been reduced to writing. He is a representative of God who foretells future events, some of which events may involve eschatology, but not necessarily so. Prophets functioned in the Jewish age, kingdom age, and the early part of the church age. The early part of the church age, more specifically, might be defined as until the writing and dissemination of the New Testament. With completion and dissemination, both the office and role of the prophet vanished. There was an observable diminution of prophecy and the use of prophet as scripture unfolded. Scripture replaced the prophet. I'm going to read you Jude verses 14 and 15, two New Testament passages. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. Why? To judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. In the Jewish age, there are more than 400 sightings of the word prophet or one of its, that is, prophet cognates, cognates of 
the word prophet. More than 400. There are more than 100 references to the word prophet and are prophet in the Gospels. There are more than 30 references in the book of Acts to the word. In the epistles, there are more than 45 references. There are 30 references in the early epistles, that is to say, those written before A.D. 56. All other references are to past prophets who function in other ages, and there is the noticeable absence of the gift after A.D. 56. We can conclude, excuse me, we can conclude that the gift of prophecy is a pre-canon gift which, like the other temporary gifts, vanished with the completion of the canon. In the book of the Revelation, there are more than 21 references to prophecy and are prophets, or prophet in the plural. There was an office of prophet and a function of prophet, and both would seem to be the result of a spiritual gift. Many of our scripture today came from men with the gift of prophecy who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 1, 1 and 1, 2. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Many who functioned with the gift of prophecy, held the office of prophecy. But certainly not all. Some of the prophets were obscure, and some were evil, having misused their office, their office function being misused. Certainly Balaam, who tried to trick God into cursing Israel, so that he could remain in favor with Balak. He was a prophet of God out of control. Numbers 22, 4 through verse 8. David, why don't you read us about that awful story that took place between the Israelites and the Moabites? All right, I'd be happy to do it. 
and actually going to be going through verse 35. Here we go. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Baor, who was at Pithor, near the river in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people, because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those you bless are blessed, and those you curse are cursed. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for the divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will bring you back the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite prince stayed with him. God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's prince, Go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite prince returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other princes, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now stay here tonight, as the others did, and I will find out what else the Lord will tell me. That night God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, <coughs> excuse me, and went with the prince of Moab. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. 
When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat her with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to make to you what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You've made a fool of me. If I had sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, I am not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day. Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared her. Balaam said to the angel of the, of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Pastor Merritt, that was quite a story. Why don't you take us on in Joshua chapter 13, verse 20. Okay. I know our readers, our listeners, better said, uh, understand we're talking about Israel coming out of the land of promise, traveling north, and they're engaging with... Uh, the Arabs, so uh, it's going to be quite a story, I can tell you that, having studied this before. So let's see what Joshua has to say in chapter 13. Joshua thirteen twenty says, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshimoth, all the towns on the plateau, and the entire realm of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled at Heshbon. Moses had defeated him, and the chief Midianites, Evi, Rekin, Zur, Hur, and Reba. Princes allied with Sihon, who lived in that country. In addition to those slain in battle, the Israelites had put to the sword Balaam, son of Beor, who practiced divination. Now going to Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 8. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you. 
and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Now going to Nehemiah chapter 13, on that day the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people, and there it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever be admitted into the assembly of God because they had not met the Israelites with food and water, but had hired Balaam to call a curse down on them. Our God, however, turned the curse into a blessing. Now let's take a look at Judges 1, 10, and 11. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do not understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's era. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These folks are mentioned in Revelation 2.14 as we studied. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teachings of Balaam, talking about New Testament folks, mentioned by John in his writing of the book of Revelation, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites. Now, this is going to come later. This is going to be another quite interesting story. So let me start over on 2.14. Nevertheless... I have a few things against you. You have people there in your church mentioned in the second chapter of the book of the Revelation by John who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Volition is, of course, a divine institution applicable for all people, certainly to include prophets. Prophets acted in different ways at different times, very often in quiet with little fanfare, excuse me, fanfare. Ahiyah is used, for example, to anoint Jeroboam, to replace Rehoboam, First Kings eleven twenty nine and thirty. 
about that time, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem, and Ahiah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way, wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone in the country, and Ahiah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into twelve pieces. Now verse 31. Then he said to Jeroboam, I'm going to give you one little piece of information here and I think it'll help you understanding. Uh, Jeroboam and Rehoboam were the two people who took over the kingdom, one taking the northern kingdom and one taking the southern kingdom. One was a son of Solomon and one was a very uh, competent man who had been working in Egypt. And that's how you had your divided kingdom, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Now I'm going to read starting in 31. That's just a little background. Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself, talking about the cloak, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. See, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen, out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. I will do this because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites and have not walked in my ways nor what is done right in my eyes nor kept my statutes and laws as David Solomon's father did. So rather having one kingdom for the Israelites there's going to be one small kingdom and then there's going to be a kingdom of 11. But that will come later. Let's go on now with verse 34. But I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David my servant, whom I chose and who observe my commands and statutes. And I will take the kingdom from his son's hands and give you ten tribes. I will give one tribe to his son so that David, my servant, may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. However, as for you, I will take you and you will rule over all that your heart desires. And you will be king over Israel. 
Jehu is used to prophesy against the king of Israel by Asha in about 886 B.C., condemning him for fighting against Judah. 1 Kings 16.7, Moreover, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Jehu, son of Halani, to Baasha and his house because of all the evil he, he had done in the eyes of the Lord provoking him to anger for the things he did and becoming like the house of Jeroboam and also because he destroyed it. Shemai prophesied to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, that Shishak, king of Egypt, would defeat Judah because of idolatry. First Chronicles twelve five. Then the prophet Shemaiah came to Rehoboam and to the leaders of Judah who had assembled in Jerusalem for fear of Shishak. And he said to them, This is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me, therefore, I now abandon you to Shishak. Hananiah prophesied against Jeremiah, saying Nebuchadnezzar would return Judah's wealth. Jeremiah, I turn correctly, prophesied of Hananiah's death. I think we need to pause there, David, just to remind folks what we have had provided for us. An analysis of how did we get two kingdoms? A northern kingdom, Israel, and a southern kingdom, Judah. And this is an excellent presentation, scripturally speaking, of how all that came about. Well, we have a divided kingdom. Recall we had one kingdom and uh, because of conduct on the part of Israel, uh, we ended up with two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And uh, we'll have, of course, more to that later on. But... Uh, I don't know how much more we want to continue on here, David. Uh, let's get through. Let's get through uh, page seven, which will get us a third of the way through. Okay. Jeremiah chapter twenty-eight, verses one through five. In the fifth month of that same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, the prophet Hananiah son of Azur, who was from Gibeon, said to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priest and all the people, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here 
and took to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the other exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priest and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Then the prophet Hananiah, say that word, Jerry. Hananiah. Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it. And he said before all the people, this is what the Lord says. In the same way will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. Shortly after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go and tell that two H's and three N's. This is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him. And I will even give him control over the wild animals. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah, that one, the prophet, listen, you, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to remove you, remove you from the face of the earth. This very year, you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. In the seventh month, in the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah, the prophet, died. We're going to stop right there, and we are uh, top third of page eight. Let's put a mark on that, and we'll pick up with point eight when we start back here next Sunday. Woo! Say her name again. His name. His name. Hananiah. I like the Hananiah. I can say that one. What was the other one that was troubling us? That's the word. What wasn't troubling you? Well, it wasn't one time. Hananiah. Okay. That's where we are. Hey, had some troubles, but hey, we got through. We thank you for listening. Pretty exciting stuff. Look forward to doing the uh, second lesson with you next week. As always, if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is the time. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No other requirements. 
No pay. No long-term commitments. It's done. Okay. Pastor Mary, could you close us in a prayer? Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to have uh, such wonderful scriptures, though complicated and uh, difficult, but they have a wonderful message as they foretell what's going to happen to the two kingdoms, the northern and the southern kingdom. And it all takes place as the Israelites are traveling north. They're leaving Egypt and uh, they pass by in many Arab countries and this is a great story and we intend to tell it like it has been provided to us. These things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask that you would bless each and every person who dares to get into the Word of God in great detail. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For Pastor Merritt, Hananiah, and myself, until next week, <laughs> so long. <laughs>